Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. They did a good job on Buddy. They were pressuring him, and he got off balance. Uh, wasn't getting good looks. When he got in the lane, he got some, but he was getting hit. You know, they don't call any of that stuff. They just call it another end. That's Jim Beheim on Buddy Beheim from last night. And listen, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I don't. But I do want to address it because it's just weird. It's strange, and it just is a thing that people are looking to be miserable. They're looking for something wrong, and I don't understand. No, I do understand that. That's that's not true. I understand it. I just don't get it, if that makes sense. Like, get over it kind of thing. And here's what I mean. And I don't like to shine a light on people that I feel are in the minority that just have social media accounts or can get in touch with me some ways and... It's best to ignore some of this stuff sometimes, but the fact that there's enough people out there that have this opinion, I would just like to address it, shine a light on it, and watch the cockroaches scatter and and never speak of it again. The desire by some of you to see Jim Beheim be tougher on Buddy Beheim is just ridiculous. Get over yourselves. Buddy Beheim had a tough game last night because NC State played good defense on Buddy Beheim. Buddy Beheim is allowed to have a bad game here and there. He's had more good games than bad. He has improved on a lot of fronts and can certainly get better. I'm not one to shy away from criticizing Buddy when necessary. I think I've been on the record a number of times and looking at some aspects of his game that needed to improve, and guess what he did? He went out and improved them. And he still has a lot of room to improve, but I think a player who is at the top of the ACC in three-point shooting, a player that has held his own at that position, a player that has to overcome the stigma of being the coach's son, has proved he belongs in this league. And if I know one thing about Jim Beheim, and I never pretend to know with Jim because Jim's just... Despite the fact he's been here for 44 years, you'd think he'd be the most predictable person in the world. Sometimes he's the most unpredictable person in a way. He's a contrarian in a lot of ways. That's what I love about him. That's why I love talking to him every Thursday. You just never know what direction the wind's blowing, and that's terrific. That's great. Jim Beheim's not putting his son on the floor if he can't play. Buddy Beheim has proven he can play. It's not to say he's first-team all-ACC, but we've gotten there. So Buddy struggles last night, and Buddy made some mistakes, and Buddy is is a player, just like any, that has flaws. And I'll say this about Buddy, he is the toughest critic of his game than anybody. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know Buddy personally, but I know him enough, I've treated him enough, I've covered him enough, and talked to people, and, and seen and gathered a number of things that this guy, Jim has said it, and yeah, Jim's his dad, but Jim is saying it from a coaching perspective, I've talked to other coaches about this and other people that have no, you know, blood relation to Buddy Beheim. Nobody works harder on that team than he does. The hours he puts in, the workouts he does, the film study, everything. That kid busts his butt. It's not to say other players on the team don't work hard, right? But if you log the hours he put in on his game, he'd win the race. So for some of you to tweet me or email me or get in touch with me with some way and express a desire 
to see Jim Beheim be tougher on Buddy, yell at Buddy. I never see Buddy get yelled at. I never see Buddy get criticized. A couple things. One, Jim does yell at Buddy. I've seen it. Other people that cover games have seen it. Fans have seen it. Paulie Sibilia, who is the engineer for the radio broadcast and is right there, tweeted last night, after some people were tweeting at me about this, that during one particular timeout, Buddy got lit up. Buddy is not immune from criticism from the coach when he's not playing well. So to go on a public forum and state it definitively that it doesn't happen, well, number one, you're wrong, because it does. To express that you hope he gets criticized evenly with other players, well, that doesn't make sense, because not all players are, are created equal. Not all players are treated equally, nor should they be. This is not a democracy, right? You've got to approach certain players differently. Are, <laughs> I have to correct myself. This is this is a democracy, right? Yay, democracy, right? Yay, democracy. Treating everybody the same. You know, that's what Bernie Sanders wants to do as president. I, I totally screwed up that take. I was on a roll, and I totally screwed that up. Give me the other thing. Now, this is a democracy. Everybody does not get treated the same, right? And that's good coaching. Players have to be treated a different way, approached a different way, motivated a different way. Jimmy Johnson talked about this all the time. Troy Aikman did not get coached the same way the 53rd guy on the roster did. I played the clip that Bayheim had of Quincy Garrier. Now, sometimes I roll my eyes at that. You can give the kid some credit, but there's a method to the madness there that he's been doing for 44 years and for the most part has worked, hasn't always worked. Some players couldn't take it and... That's just how it goes. But if you are someone that watches that game, and this is the thought that crosses your head, why doesn't this guy yell at this player more? That's just weird. I'm sorry, you're weird. And not in a good way. Some people are weird in a in a in a kooky, fun, you know, relatable way. You're just weird. That is just strange that this is your desire. This is what you want to see. He doesn't yell at the guy anymore. Well, maybe that's not what motivates Buddy. For the most part, Buddy knows what he's doing out there, knows where to be. He's a smart player. He had a bad game last night. I'm not even going to read this one email that I got from this one guy who wanted to tell me, first of all, that Joe Girard didn't have a good game last night, which I, I just... The guy is drunk! I don't know what to tell you there. Joe made some mistakes down the stretch. I mentioned it. The law passed to Jesse... Went one for seven down the stretch, uh, one for ten overall from three-point range. Wasn't wasn't perfect. And Joe would be the first person to tell you, as he said in the locker room, as Chris Carlson's going to tell me about in a half hour, that what does it matter? I scored 30 points and we lost. That's his approach. But somebody had to step up with he was out, and he did. So the desire for people to just, and I get it, it's frustration, Fans are feeling angst about something, and they just have to get it out of their systems. And I try to be patient with that. But why are we at the point where this is a desire that you have? One person tweeted me seven times during the game, essentially the same thing. And it was that. That's oh, a shame that Jim doesn't treat Buddy the same as the other players. Doesn't yet. Why do you need to see this? 
Why? Well, he's the coach's son. He's got to treat everybody the same. Doesn't treat everybody the same. Doesn't work that way. But he doesn't get any special treatment for making mistakes, for being out of position in the zone, for taking ill-advised shots. And again, before you get on a social media platform and tweet somebody like me, and I'm not bragging here, it's just the case, that has a lot of followers, that has a public profile where other people can see this, you better be darn sure of what you're saying. So to definitively say it doesn't happen, you're wrong. Because it does. The fact that you want to see it happen, that's on you. That's not on Jim or Buddy or that's on you. Because that's just weird. Why is this something you want to see? Why? You really got to explain that to me. It'd be one thing if Buddy was, if there was like some alternate universe where Buddy was a player who was entitled, who was lazy, was somebody who was just on the on the team because he's the coach's kid and didn't deserve to be there. But we're not in that universe. We're in the other universe where he's done everything he can as a player and continues to do everything he can as a player to overcome that stigma. He knows it's out there. He knows he's got to work through it. And no matter what, there's going to be people that say this crap. And it's just wrong. It's it's wrong and it's weird that you want to see that. It really is. Because it does happen, first of all. Second of all, th- this is what you, this is, <laughs> you wake up in the morning and you have that cup of coffee and you're thinking about your day, thinking about what's coming up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get on Twitter and I'm going to, I'm going to tell that Brent Axe that Buddy Bayheim doesn't get yelled at enough. Like, this is on your to-do list for the day? Really? Like, this is this is where we're at. Okay. Great. Fantastic. That's on you. That's not on Jim or Buddy. That's on you. And it's weird. And it's got to stop. Not to say he is absolved from criticism, as we do on this show and other formats. That's, you know, that's fair game. When you are a high-level athlete at a Division One school, you're going to leave yourself open to scrutiny. If you want to criticize this game... If you want to say he didn't have a good game and this is the reason, well, that's what we're here to do. That's sports. But when you're kind of taking it that next level and you're and you're wishing the coach to yell at any player more, let alone the coach's son, I got to question that. It's not to say a coach at times can't be called out for doing that. But in this case, I don't know about that. Maybe I'm wrong here. I could be I could be just completely on an island waving to people, hey, I'm all by myself over here. Anybody else feel this way? That could totally be the case. I could be in the vast minority here. And if I am, I don't care. I don't care. I'll be happy here on my island by myself. That it doesn't matter. And we'll break on that note. We'll come back. We'll do some hot takes. Stay right there. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Seth will take us on the blind side shortly, but... Let's go to the phones first at 437-7644. We head to East Syracuse where Bruce is today. Bruce, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Brent? Living the dream, buddy. What's cooking? Yeah, not much. Um, 
I just wanted to uh, talk about something I hadn't really heard a lot about recently. Um, as I was watching the game uh, at the Dome the other night, and we saw that Hughes wasn't going to come back, I, it really hit me with this team that other than Marek and Quincy, who else do we have at the forward position that can come in that's not redshirted? <clears throat> well... In that situation last night, yeah, when Hughes goes down, you're pretty much down to Quincy and Marek at that point yeah, at that position. There's nobody, nobody else at that position, and and what makes I it mean, even but here's the here's the here's, the, here's the thing with that, Bruce. There's only so many spots on a basketball team, right? You have a number of guards, you have a number of centers, you have a number of forwards. Um, you've got guys redshirting. There's nobody really hurt at that position other than Hughes, but. I don't know how much deeper you could go there, right? Like, you could have six forwards and three guards. I mean, you could do the math there, but that's just kind of a reality with that team. Yeah. I don't know, well, if, that's a, I don't know if that's a criticism of, of uh, recruiting, of coaching, whatever the situation may be, but I, it hasn't no, been a problem think, up to this point. I think it's the position that we, that we are facing, that's all. Yeah, right. right. Um, and that's you got to adjust to those things. Yeah, and, the biggest, and, and what makes it even more difficult, as we saw the other night, is the one of the the only two forwards that we have right now, and obviously we're hoping Elijah can get back uh, to, by the next game. But the only other two forwards, one of them is has basically been our backup center all year, which has been Marek. Um, and so that puts pressure on the fact that when you know our our main center gets in foul trouble, now we already have Marek on the floor. We can't put another forward in and put and shift him to the center. We got to almost by default go to Jesse. Which I think he is looking better, but um, he's it, held it his own the last two games. Sure. There's no yeah. question in, in my mind. Uh, he's somebody who's not ready to contribute more than what he's doing right now. Like he's at his limit at this point. Boy, did we mark up the bingo board on that one? Way to go, Bruce. Let's go on the blind side. It's time for the blind side. I've almost got bingo. That was a big call. That was a, that that was was a, a big call. Big call from Bruce. Nice work. It's presented by Burdick Toyota. Let's go places in a new Toyota from Burdick Toyota in Cicero. The Toyota lineup has it all. The great fuel economy of the Corolla. The sheer power and towing capacity of the Toyota Tundra. No matter what lease deals you're looking for, I got them at Burdick Toyota. Visit BurdickToyota.com or stop in Drivers Village in Cicero. Give me fire when ready, sir. Did Miles Garrett deserve to be reinstated already? Yes. Because the punishment that we all cried about when it happened was rest of the season. He got the rest of the season. Now he's been reinstated. Now, I wouldn't have objected if somebody said he cannot play in an NFL football game for a a full calendar year from that moment to the next. I mean, there was no punishment too severe for Garrett. But what we all settled on would be fair. What they accepted, what they didn't fight, was the rest of the season. He served that. And we go from here. It was technically at least the rest of the season. Correct. But yes. And that's uh, what he got. Is Elijah just trolling? I hope not. I brought it up with Bryson's tweet about what he said about his injury. It's like, yeah, but that's still kind of a big deal. You got to wear a mask. You got to adjust your game. And, but he's a role player. To this point, think of the injuries and the red shirts and the situations that Syracuse has had. It's all been on the bench. This is the best player on the team now that at least is going to be slowed by this injury, even if it's nothing major. I don't know if three days of just rest, relaxa- rest relaxation, stretching, icy hot. I don't know how they handle this. I don't want icy comes, hot in he, that area. Yeah, that, no way. Uh, that, no, no thank way. you. We'll see on Saturday how he's playing, how he's moving. 
It's not an easy injury to just kind of overcome. Should ESPN and the ACC collude to burn the tape of that overtime between Notre Dame and UVA? I didn't see it because I was writing. Three to two. Stop it. Now, that's not a stunner considering... 50 to 49 in the final. In overtime? In overtime. I turned that game off middle of the second half because I had to write and do some things. Wow. Three to two? But it's Virginia. I mean, all bets are off when it's Virginia. Fair enough. Uh, Should kids who signed at Colorado last week be allowed to transfer without penalty? 100%. Now, look, coaches are in a different world than players. But this coach at Colorado, didn't he like a month ago say there's no transfer portal? He did. He said there's no transfer portal in life. just like two days ago? Yeah, I'm pulling that up. Pull up the quotes from this guy. This is why when coaches bellyache about the transfer rules and how they should be loosened, they need to shut their traps. Here's his tweet. Because coaches can say all this stuff and walk out the door whenever they want. Yeah, read this. Here's his tweet. This is from, uh, keep in mind, February 8th. It's February 12th. This is from February 8th, all right? While I am flattered to be in consideration, uh, to be considered for the head coach job at at MSU football, I am committed to the at CU Buffs football for hashtag the build of our program. It's great athletes, coaches, and supporters. Hashtag unfinished business. Hashtag go Buffs. Hashtag uh, we are. Hashtag relentless. Hashtag culture. Hashtag the bills. You're full of it. Hashtag full of it. Oh, sorry. He didn't put that in. He didn't put that one. I added that. Four days later, walks out the door. Amazing. So, all you coaches out there, or anybody that's on this train, players should be able to leave whenever they want, however they want. Not just under circumstances like this. So, as long as we're all on the same here. The last one comes with an audio clue. Can you play the... uh, Now, I will ask the question. Okay. I will ask the question, then you can play it. All right. Does this sound of Mark Titus hit a little too close to home? Titus Syracuse Bracketology. Okay. I don't mean to alarm anyone, but we're less than five weeks away from Selection Sunday, which means every Syracuse fan in your life is about to become a world-class bracketologist as they try to calculate a way in which the Orange can still find themselves on the right side of the bubble, as is tradition. I got two words for that. Nailed it. Absolutely. That's perfect. That was in a video for Fox Sports. Perfect. That's the blind side. It's presented by Burdick Toyota. Now we got time for some more calls, and I've only got two spots. I need three for I need, bingo. I need three for I bingo. I need three for bingo. I need three for bingo. If you feel that this team choked again is going to make the <laughs> NIT and the game has passed Jim Beheim by, oh, come on, I'd love to fair. hear from you next. <laughs>